in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 13. The Bible says, The Lord shall make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and shall not be beneath. If you are unto the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day to observe and to do them. So we see here God's mind for us as his people, that his goal, his plan, his desire for us, is for us to be the head, is for us to be above, is for us to succeed. And you say, when you want to describe a man that is successful, one of the things, or a man or a woman that is successful, one of the things you can say is that the person is rising, that the person is above, right? They are contemporaries doing well, right? In their industry, in their space, you see. So these two scriptures, we really need to meditate on it until we are convinced that God, you know, wants you and I to succeed. There is nothing God leads you into that God intends that thing to fail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is nothing God leads you into that should fail. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So whether you are into business, whether you are into career, whether you are a student, whatever it is that you're doing, God wants you and I to succeed in that thing. And we have mentioned the several reasons why we need to succeed. We've also spoken about the reason why most people don't succeed. We said the reason is because, number one, a lot of people underestimate the price of success. Number two, we said many people overestimate their capacity to succeed. Number three, we said a lot of people are not willing and ready to do what it takes to succeed. Number four, most people don't succeed because they don't have the mental and emotional strength to succeed. Because it takes strength to do well in life. It takes strength to succeed. And we said why most people don't, and why we must succeed cardinally is so that we can be a blessing. It's so that we can be a blessing. Not for self-aggrandizement. Not to show off. Not to prove a point to people. Live the, you know, sometimes, I, I, I think um, this is common, you know, in this part of the world, especially religious people, you know, say things like, you know, uh, let God bless me so I can show my enemies. Leave the enemy alone. See, let me tell you this. There is no amount of... There are, there are some people that no matter how much you succeed, they can still never be impressed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even if you become... If it's okay today, the whole world becomes one country. And you become the president of the whole world. Some people will still not be impressed. So it's better you just live your life, fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life and your destiny. Right? Fulfill God's plan for your life the god's plan for success because you know it is god's plan for you not because you want to prove a point to anybody not because you want to show anything off not because you want to shame the devil like some people say not because you want to go back to the places where you know you were maltreated you know the places where you were despised and now you want to show them that god is a good god god does not need you to stand in for him or to prove to people that he's a good god you see, whether you prove to people or not, he's a good God. He has been good, he will forever be good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we need to understand the reason why God wants us to succeed. That it is principally to be a blessing. A blessing to mankind, a blessing to his kingdom. And also for the establishment or the expansion and the establishment of his kingdom on the earth. You see, it is easier for you and I to be a witness, especially a credible witness. When our lives are expressions of the faithfulness of God. It's easier for you to tell someone that God is good when they can see the goodness of the Lord all over you. You see, let me tell you this. When you succeed or when you're successful, one of the things it does is that it reduces your explanations in life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It reduces your story. That's why you notice that people who do well, people who are doing well, they talk less. Because the result shows by itself. Am I making sense? 
So that's one of some of the reasons we've spoken about a couple, but I think it's necessary for me to remind us again and again because when the purpose of a thing is not known, that thing is going to eventually be abused. And so as believers, we need to consistently remind ourselves the reason why God wants us to succeed even as we bring this series to a close. And also remember that success is available. It is available. That simply means anybody can succeed. Anybody can succeed. And that's why you've seen short people succeed. You've seen tall people succeed. (laughs) You've seen slim people succeed. You've seen fat people succeed. Because it is available to everyone. Everyone that will reach out for it, right, can be successful. The other thing we need to understand about success is that it is not carnality. Oftentimes, as believers, we are always caught in between, you know, you know, uh, um, that's, um, what do I call it now? We're not sure. We are really not sure that maybe if I succeed to a point, I can lose my faith. I can lose my integrity. I can lose my faith in God. No, 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 no. A thousand times no. You see, one of the things he even does when you are successful is that he helps your relationship with God to be stronger. Except if you didn't have the right foundation in the first place and you are not being discipled. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you are not accountable. You are not following the biblical template for the Christian life. If you are following all those templates, success is not going to lead you into sin. In fact, it will even enhance your spirituality. Success, we also need to understand that it's individualistic. It is individualistic. There is no such thing as, you know, our success. So the fact that your uncle is successful does not mean it is your own success. Go make your own success. Go succeed. Whatever is not yours is not yours. Stop over celebrating other people's success. That's why you see in this part of the world, the reason why a lot of people stay in abject poverty, lack and failure is because the moment one person succeeds, you say, ah, but that me. And see me. Everybody, the whole family now starts depending on that person until the person's success now becomes failure. By the time you suck the person dry, they move to another person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And every one of us, you say, I don't know if I should go into that, but let me tell you this. As you begin your journey to success, please understand this. You are not the savior of mankind. You are not the savior of mankind. I've seen that destroy a lot of people. You see, as they begin to rise a little bit, they begin to adopt a savior's mindset. A savior syndrome. Because we are the brightest among your family now. You have achieved what nobody has achieved. And you are just building. You now become everybody's savior. Go and check it. Most time in the next five, ten years, most people, most of those people also have nothing to show for their life. Because there are times where you need to build. See, let me tell you this. When you are laying the foundation, you must wait for the concrete to be dry before you start laying blocks. And you must build, lay blocks to a point before you can start putting roof on it. Have you seen anybody roofing a, uh, roofing a foundation before? No. But many people, they are still at the foundational level of God's plan for their life. Foundational level of success. Before you know it, they start roofing. They take on the responsibility of the old generation. They take on the, uh, you know, the, the responsibility they've not built capacity for. There is a level at which you will get to that, right, that you can even take on the responsibility of the old city. And you will not feel it. But while you are still building, that is not the time to be taking on such responsibilities. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Especially in this part of the world, the average African man needs to hear that over and over and over again. There's so much irresponsibility, right, that has been created even, you know, unfortunately, even in some families where parents depend on children. And let me tell you this, this is a curse. 
when parents are depending on children, it is not right. It's a demonic ideology. Ebu says things like, I've, I've sent you to school now, you take care of me. The Bible says a good man lives an inheritance for his children's children. A child is not a retirement plan. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Is there a retirement plan? Of course, you understand that in this house, we place priority on covenant practice. I'm not telling you not to be responsible to your parents. That is foolishness if you are not doing that. Praise the Lord. But you must understand that if you remove the blocks that you should use to lay your foundation, very soon you yourself will be homeless. So you must understand the balance. Am I making sense tonight? So we set the codes for activating success. Number one is growth. You will never achieve or succeed beyond your level of growth. God will never entrust into your hands that which you are not prepared for. Number two, we said is entitlement code. When it comes to your relationship with God and the plans and promises of God for your life, you must have a sense of entitlement that this thing belongs to me. I'm going to go after it and I'm going to get it. Is it I get it or I get it? Number three is the vision code. The vision code. What are you seeing? You will never succeed beyond what you see. That's why God said to Abraham, He said, lift up your eyes and look northward, southward, eastward and westward. He said, as far as your eyes can see, so will I give unto you. Genesis chapter 13 verse 14 to 15. So it simply means if you are not seeing it, you can't get it. It's as simple as that. People succeed to the level to which they see. That's why you realize that when some people get to a level, they stop striving for more. Why? Because everything that they now have, is what they have seen. See, vision determines hunger. What you are seeing determines how hungry you are. If you are not seeing much, your hunger will be very small. If you are seeing so much, your hunger will be very massive. So when I see people who are not hungry, not hungry for success, not desiring more, it's simply because, you see, they are not seeing so much. They are not seeing a lot. So you and I need to understand that your vision is critical to your success. Your vision is critical to your success. Your vision is critical to your success. How you see yourself and what you see about your future. The next code is a discipline code. And discipline is the ability to tell yourself what to do even when you don't feel like doing it. Discipline is to make decisions that will favor your future more than your present. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm going to say that again because I didn't say it all throughout the series. Discipline is the ability to make decisions that will favor your future more than your present. And let me tell you, the future will always come. Whether you are expecting it or come, today is the future you once spoke about. Have you ever thought about it? 20, 23 years ago, as at 2013, like in 10 years time, you are now in that 2023. So discipline is the ability to make decisions that will favor your future more than your immediate Discipline is also the ability to say no to yourself when everything around you is telling you to say yes. The ability to say no. No to the food when you need to fast. No to the shoe because you need to save the money. No, right, to hanging out with friends so that you can study to get that extra certification. No. And let me tell you this, no is a complete statement. Are you going to hang out tonight? No. Should you go buy pizza? No. <laughs> no. You don't have to explain yourself. I learned that many years ago and it held me. No. You know, most of when you say no, people are waiting for a follow-up statement. They'll be looking at each other. I finished saying what I want to say. 
If it's necessary for me to explain myself, I'll explain myself. If it's not necessary, it's a complete statement. No, it's a complete statement. Are you going to do this? No. It's not that I also don't feel like doing it, but there is a future that we eventually arrive. And see, in life, you either pay now or you play later. Those who play now, we eventually pay later. So you either play now and pay later, or pay now and play later. Let me tell you this, everybody will pay. You can't escape it. Is it that you pay the price now, or you pay with regrets later? Everybody will go through pain. Is it that the pain of discipline or the pain of regrets? But that you will not experience pain in life. So what happens is many people don't want to experience that pain of discipline. Because discipline comes with pain. Who does not like to live a soft life? But if you live a soft life too early in life, hardness is waiting for you in the future. Hard life. There is nobody that, that is successful that has not said no to themselves several times. No to sleep. No to pleasure. No to entertainment. No to unprofitable relationship. Why? Because there is a future in which they've seen it that if they don't say no today, they will never live in the reality of that future. The next code is networking code. And we also establish the fact that success is highly relationship dependent. Success is highly relationship dependent. You are only as successful as the relationships in your life allow. (laughs) Please write that down. I didn't say it throughout the series. You are only as successful as the relationships in your life does what? Allow. The thing about the relationships in your life is it also determines your hunger level. It also determines your hunger level. You will never be hungry more than your friends or the average hunger of your relationships. I also need to understand that there is no such thing as a self-made man. Nobody succeeds by themselves. And so you need to be deliberate in building quality and valuable relationships. Number six code is the mentorship code. The mentorship code. Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. The Bible says, God says, the Lord stand in the ways and see and ask for the old path. Where the good way is and walk in it. It says, then you will find rest for your soul. But they said, we will not walk in it. God said, ask for the ways in which others have passed. I love this. I, I can't remember this particular reference now, but somewhere in Joshua, the book of Joshua, Joshua was saying to the children of Israel, he said, the ark of the covenant is going to go before you, and the priests bearing it upon their shoulders. He said, let there be a space between you and it. Why? Because we have not passed this way before. You have not passed this way before. So let the priests, let them go before you. The priests are those that have touched the future. They've touched it before you got there. Or before you are ever going to get there. Some people have touched the future. They are in the future. Or they are, they are, your future is their own present. Wisdom says you hang around those people. I was having a conversation with my wife earlier today. And I was saying that for as long as I can remember. I don't have any friend. Or anyone in my space that is my age mate. For as long as I can remember. For as long as I can remember. It's in recent years. I just had one or two friends that I'm older than. Most of my friends are usually older than because I want to see farther than my contemporaries. I want to see farther than my contemporaries. And that's why for so many years I've, I've lived... Let me just leave that. So the mentorship code, praise the Lord. The mentorship code. 
very critical. If there is no one in your life that you can refer to as a mentor, trust God for one as we go into the second quarter. The thing about mentorship is it aligns your life. It keeps you in check. It makes you accountable. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you think you have done so much, your mentor will say, oh, fantastic, but there is more. There is more. I remember a couple of years ago, I was listening to, you know, Pastor David DeBuyme and said, the first time they had a crusade in Podako, massive crusade, filled the whole stadium, said, was so excited. He went to see Bishop Edepo, and he was, you know, sharing the testimony with him, excited. He said, Bishop was just looking at him. He said, when he finished, Bishop said, so what next? He said, no wonder that man is the way he is. He's always thinking, what next? What next? What next? You know the reason why a lot of people fail? Because there is nobody to ask them what next. So they over-celebrate where they are. Especially when they've done something that nobody has done before in their family. Or among their friends. See, let me tell you something about success. It expires. Am I making sense? People that are failures today, they were once successful. That's why success is a never-ending journey. You must keep being successful. You must keep being successful because it is a never-ending journey. Why? Because success can expire. A couple of days ago, I saw on the news that the chief of staff of, you know, the former president of Nigeria, General Sonny Abacha, just died. I said to my wife, I didn't know the man was still alive. I thought he had died so many years ago. It was a popular name for those of us that were old enough in the 90s, early 90s. I said, really? I never knew the man was sick. If I told me, the news was a shock. That is just dying, really? But there was a time that in this country that you can't get anything done without people like that. I'm sure I will go to places and people will look at it. Nobody will even recognize him. Why? Because success expires. Success expires. And that's one of the reasons why you need people in your life that has gone ahead of you. That's the, you know, a mentor plays the role of a coach. A mentor may not be in the same pitch, playing on the football field. But the mentor can keep aligning your focus. That's one of the things mentorship does. It aligns your focus. When you start getting distracted, the mentor will tell you, keep your eyes on the ball. Keep the momentum. Praise the Lord. The next quote is what? Diligence quote, or you can call it ad work quote. John 9 and verse 4, remember Jesus said, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. Work is not a cause, it is a blessing. I can't overemphasize that to the average Christian. The average Christian does not like, you see, sometimes the way we pray is as if when we pray, 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 oh, God will just remove work from our life. No, sir, that day will never come. You must walk as if you don't believe in the power of prayer and pray as if you don't believe in work. That's my own formula for living. When I'm praying, it's as if I don't believe in principles, I don't believe in hard work, I don't believe in diligence. And when I'm working, it's as if I don't believe in prayer. That's one of the ways to create the balance in your life. You must be a lover of work. The first thing God gave to man was work. The first thing he gave to him was work. He told him, tend the garden, be in charge of it. He gave him a responsibility. Do you know how stressful, how, (laughs) how much... It would have required from Adam to name all the animals in the world. You think it was something he did in one week? Do you know how many animals have even gone extinct? So he had to name everything, including the insects, including tiny. 
Named everything. And the Bible says that after he had gone, going God had the name he called them. God said, oh, fantastic. That was work. All the plants, all the animals in different species and families had to name everyone. Give him a responsibility. And remember, man had not fallen into sin then. So work is not a product of sin. Work is a life essential. Jesus had not, <laughs> he never sinned. Yet the Bible says he himself said, I must work. I must work. I want you to look at someone close to you. Say, you must work. He must work. That's why you see that a lot of people, the moment they retire, they die early. Because God never made the man to be idle. That's why the statement has even been said and is almost trite that an idle hand is the devil's workshop. When you are idle, the devil will find work for you because you are supposed to be working. So wisdom says you find work for yourself. Even when you are out of a job, volunteer somewhere, you must never be idle. Never. 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 So the diligence code is critical to success. Number eight is the value code. The value code. The value code. If you are going to be successful, you must be a man and a woman of value. A man and a woman of value. A man and a woman of value. I know I've said all these things all through the month, but it's a refresher tonight. Praise the Lord. Like the Bible says, it is not stressful for me to say the same thing to you over and over again. For you, it is needful. Praise the Lord. The value code, you must be valuable. You will only be as successful as the value you are adding to people. Value in the marketplace, value in the workplace. As a career person, how valuable are you to your boss? As a business person, how valuable are you to your clients? It's very critical. And I said that your value is determined by three things. The problems you solve, how well you solve it, and how difficult it is to find a replacement for you. Your value in life and the marketplace is determined by three things. Number one, the problem you solve. Number two, how well you solve it. Number three, how difficult it is to find a replacement for you. People like Joseph, people like Daniel, people like Esther. These people were successful in their days. Why? Because you could trade certain values to their life. Joseph didn't just appear in the palace and become prime minister. Because he had a covenant relationship with God. The reason why they made him prime minister was because he, had admin, he added administrative and management value to Pharaoh. If the only thing that Joseph did when they brought him before Pharaoh was to tell Pharaoh the dream, the only thing they would have given him is freedom from prison. Nobody told him to give a solution. The only thing he was mean of this, oh, there will be seven years of plenty, seven years of abundance. Finish. That's what they told him to come and do. But the guy went on further to add values. You know the mistake many of us, he said, they are not paying me for that. Really? <laughs> really? You know the way easiest way to rise in life? Add more value than what you are being paid for. That's one of the ways to rise in life. It's one of the ways to rise in life. Add more value. Add more value. In fact, add value beyond what people expect from you. Number nine is the habit code. The habit code. The habit code. A research was done in Duke University. They said over 40% of the actions people perform each day are not actual decisions, they are habits. So what you have done today, 40% of everything you've done today from the time you woke up, they were not things you decided to do. They were things your habits made you do. That's why if you can keep track of your life, in the next one week, you will realize that there are things you do 
in the first few minutes and hours when you wake up. And they are repetitive. So successful people, one of the things they do is they consciously create the habit that will facilitate their success in life. Because one of the easiest ways to make success, you know, automated is for you to develop the habits that will make you successful. You pay the price to making those habits, you know, almost natural to the point where you are no longer thinking about those things. See, there are things that when people do naturally, they will fail. You don't even need an assistance from the devil to fail. A student that is not studying for his or as an exam, you see, you don't need the devil. You know what people do when they fail? They say, they gave me. They gave me. They never say that I failed. <laughs> it's an awful meaning. They gave me. But there is nobody that succeeds that said they gave me. One of the hallmarks of successful people is that they accept responsibility for the outcomes of their life. They accept responsibility. If when you fail at something, you believe someone else is responsible for it, you're already a failure. You're already a failure. Why did Adam and Eve, why did they fail? In the garden of Eden. Why? Because of irresponsibility. Adam, where are you? Who told you? Why did you do this? Say, ah, God, it's the wife you gave me. But you were the one we put in charge of the family. That's why you see irresponsible husbands. They blame their wife for everything. Is the wife the head? Or maybe God should reverse the role and make her the head. And you should be the neck. Like some people say, even though it's not scriptural. Anything you don't see in the Bible, please throw it away, no matter what you say in it. Some people say the man is the head, the woman is the neck. There's nothing like that in the Bible. So, so you can turn it wherever you like. <laughs> That's manipulation and witchcraft. It's not biblical. I understand what people are trying to say, but let's stick with the Bible. Am I making sense? Hey, Adam, what happened? He said, it's the wife you gave me. The wife too. <laughs> what happened? They're supposed to be this man's helper. Help him in his place of weakness. Say, ah, she didn't say it's the serpent you gave me. Say it's the serpent. I'm sure God must have looked at the serpent. What happened? The serpent must have looked back. There's nobody. Just hands up. <laughs> I'm sure if there was someone else, the serpent would have said, he's the serpent. He's the donkey. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But there was nobody. So just say, ah, God. Nowhere to go. Habits. Habits. Habits are so powerful that I could preach on it for a whole month. See, if you can get the habits in your life right, a lot of things will be settled. A lot of things will be sorted. A lot of things will be sorted. So there are certain habits that you need to develop. I don't know, have I spoken about the things we need to know about habits? Okay, so number one thing you need to know about habits. Let's run through that very quickly because I still have two codes I want to share with us. Number one, you cannot... Let me put it this way. You cannot not have habits. Did you get that? So it's impossible for you not to have habits. Seated here tonight, you are an embodiment of habits. So it's impossible for you to be at a point in your life where you will say, Oh, you know me, I don't have any habits. You already have habits. In fact, from the cradle to the grave, you will have habits. And let me say this here, there are two types of habits. Number one are positive habits and number two are negative habits. Your habits will fall into either of the two. There are no neutral habits. Your habits are either positive, that is empowering, or they are negative and destructive habits. So your habits are either constructive or destructive. Your habits are either going to make you successful or they are going to turn you into blatant failures. So you need to understand about habits that it's impossible not to have habits, number two. 
you never become successful except your habits allow you to be successful. You will never become successful except your habits allow you to be successful. Number three. Habits are easy to form but difficult to break. Habits are easy to form but difficult to break. For instance, someone who is addicted to smoking. Did you know, don't you notice that when people want to start smoking, it's very difficult. The people around say, ah, do it again, do it again. You can't. Be bored. Ah, what's wrong with you now? I don't do like small boys. So it's difficult, but to get to a point, you can even smoke one pack while standing. That's a destructive habit. No matter how you try to explain it, because it's destroying the body God gave you. Am I making sense tonight? Sleeping can become a habit. Excessive sleeping. It's always very easy to sleep some more. Snooze the alarm. In fact, when the alarm is in you, off it. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's easier. But to break it becomes war. So you need to be careful when your habits are still in the formative stages. It's easier to break them or before they become a stronghold in your life. And that's, I believe, one of the strongest responsibilities God has given parents to form habits in their children. That's why at times when you see a parents correcting a child, they may not even be aware, but what they are trying to do is to stop certain habits. So you see parents telling maybe a child, don't go to the neighbor's house to watch TV. When the child does that, they beat the child. What they are trying to teach the child is not about the TV, it's about covetousness. Am I making sense? But you know, you get to a point in your life, nobody can be correcting you like that anymore. You are the one that must correct yourself. The next thing you need to know about habits is that habits free up your mind to do more creative things. Habits free up your mind to do more creative things. You can liken the development of an habit to when an airplane is on autopilot. When an, when an airplane gets to a level above, um, um, gets to a particular level, right, during flight, you can even see the pilot come out and is taking coffee and chatting with you guys. But the pilot can never do that when the airplane is about to take off. Never. But you get to, when you get to a certain altitude, you see, the plane can be on autopilot, it's flying itself. Except they're about to enter into turbulence. Or they're about to face a storm or something. Then he assumes the seat again. So that's what habit does. Habit free up your mind to do other creative things. Because the thing about habit is the moment you master it, you don't have to think about it anymore. It just that's let me give us a practical example. How many of us drive here? How many of us? Okay. Haven't you noticed that when you start learning how to drive, for those of us that are going to learn how to drive this year, praise the Lord. If you are going to learn, say praise the Lord. I didn't say, say hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. <laughs> Many of us are trusting God for cars. You don't know how to drive. If somebody just meets you after service now and gives you khaki, you'll be looking for who to take the car home for you. And we also take our own car home. So the car will be left <laughs> behind. Praise the Lord. When you're learning how to drive a car, every part of your body is conscious you are learning how to drive. In fact, the way you will hug the steering. <laughs> you know, <laughs> move the chair so close to the steering like your life depends on it. You know, you are so conscious that you are learning something. But it gets to a point whereby you can be driving, making calls, if I'm texting, chatting, gisting with people in the car. Because now you have mastered it, it has become habitual that you don't even think about it anymore. 
for those of us that learn how to that know how to drive, haven't you noticed that most times you don't even know how you left your house when you get to where you are going? You just know that you come out to start the car and you are moving and you go to where you are going because now it has become habitual. That's the same way there are certain habits that the moment you develop those habits, it's, it becomes autopilot. You see, that's why when you hear certain people say things like, if you take away everything they have, they can reproduce it. They know what they are saying. It's not pride. Because they've mastered certain habits that no matter what happens, they can reproduce it. And everybody can get to that level. Am I making sense? Everybody can get to that level. Right? So habits are easy to form but difficult to break next they free up your mind to do more creative things next destructive habits are easier to form but they hinder your life and destiny destructive habits they are easier to form but they will eventually hinder your life and your destiny positive habits on the other hand they are difficult to form but they make your life easier did you see the difference? So that's one of the ways to track if the habit is positive or negative. A positive habit is difficult to form, but it will make your life easier. A destructive habit is easier to form, but it makes your life difficult. Isn't it amazing? So that's one of the ways to track it. When you realize that something, you know, you, something has become habitual and it became so easy, one of the things you need to notice is that your phone, your smartphone, when you wake up in the morning, many of us are so addicted to it, it has become habitual, that the moment you wake up, the next one hour, the phone is in your hand. That thing will limit your life. It will limit your life. You know what is difficult to do when you wake up? To pray. To read your Bible. It's difficult. Because that one will help your life. To read in the morning. <laughs> Praise the Lord. One of the things that is a rule that if everybody around me has adjusted, you can't be in my house and wake up and be watching TV. It must be demon possessed. Most likely, you will never be in my house anymore. It's, it's, it's not everybody has adjusted. It just never happens that you will wake up. Nobody told. <laughs> it never comes on until almost midday. If not later in the evening. In fact, sometimes the one that will say, Ah, hey, continue. <laughs> ah, why is this even on? Let's turn it on. Let's even see this. I remember there was a time that I just realized that for almost three months our TV was not off. They said, ah, let's even put on this thing if it's still working. Because it's easier to do. Don't you realize that it does not take any effort for you to just turn on the TV and you just sit down. And one of the things science has discovered, research now, you can check it online, is that the more you watch TV, the dumber you become. It's as if your brain becomes frozen. Why? Because they are not, you are not thinking. They are thinking for you. Feeding you with ideas. Your mind is not active. That's why you notice that when a movie is emotional, how not you find yourself crying? The person that died is eating chicken in his house. But you, you are crying, what did he now that he's not dead, he's alive. Why? Because when you are watching TV, scientifically, something happens to your brain, it stops thinking. So the more TV you watch, you realize that one day you just wake up and you are very stupid. I'm serious. Science now. So check it when something is easy to develop. At the end of the day, it really does not hurt to your life. The other thing you need to understand about habits is that you cannot stop habits. You can only replace them. That's very important. In fact, if you forget every other thing about habits that I've said tonight, don't forget that one. You can't stop habits. You can only replace habits. 
So for instance, if you say, oh, Pastor, I've been saying we should not wake up in the first morning, in the morning and the first thing we should touch is our phone. You will still wake up, you will do something. So if you don't replace that habit with something else, you will relapse. That's what happens to people when they take them to rehabilitation center. They always relapse. Why? Because when you don't fill that part of your life with something else that is more constructive, you will always go back. You always go back. Because really, habits cannot be destroyed. It's like energy. Right? In physics, they say that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be what? Can only be converted from one form to another. If you could let's celebrate it. <laughs> you know the bookworms. <laughs> can only be converted. You can't destroy it. You can't create it. Energy is already in the universe. You cannot do anything about it. The only thing you can do is to convert it. Same thing with habits. Same thing with habits. You cannot remove habits from your life. You can only replace them. You can only replace them. So what are the success and habits? No, no, no. Before I go into the habits that we can develop to help us succeed, let me talk about what determines whether a habit is positive or negative. Two things you need to pay attention to. Number one, your destination. Number two, your convictions. Number one is your destination. Always ask yourself, where am I going? Remember we spoke about the vision code. Also, you need to ask yourself, what am I seeing? So whatever habits you are developing today, you must ensure that there are habits that will help you fulfill that thing that you are seeing. Your destination. Am I making sense? Number two is your convictions. Your convictions. A conviction is something you unpersuadably believe. Nobody can confuse you out of it. That's why a suicide bomber, there are habits they've developed. Why? Because they are convinced that if I kill people, the more people I kill, the more virgins they will give me in Aljana. Virgin. You are going to be a spirit. How can spirit recognize virgin? I don't think... Do you understand what I'm saying? It's only in the body that virginity is a concept. There's no virginity in the spirit. But they don't think that far. But when you are convinced about something, you will do anything to align with that conviction. So two things... That you always need to pay attention to to determine the habits to form. Your destination, number two, your conviction. Your conviction. For instance, why a lot of people don't believe it is wrong to take alcohol? That you, there's no way it is written in the Bible, it's not part of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not drink alcohol. You may be right, but my conviction is from Proverbs. Where a wise queen, queen mother, uh, was telling the son, he said, do not take strong drink. He said, strong drink is not for kings. He said, because when they take it, they will pervert their judgment. That's where my conviction is wrong. If, will you go to well if you take alcohol? I don't know. You may, you may not. May you not find out late, too late. I don't know. But my own conviction is that as a leader or someone that your decisions is going to affect lives, you cannot affect your judgment to be messed up. And that's what happens when you take alcohol. That's what the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine wherein there is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. The same way the Holy Spirit wants to influence you is the same way alcohol influences you. That's why the Bible compares the two. The Holy Spirit and wine. Praise the Lord. So you see that in Proverbs 31 verse 4 to 7. It says, for you are a king, Lemuel, and it is never fitting for a king to be drunk on wine, or for rulers to crave alcohol. It says, for when they drink, they forget justice and ignore the rights of those in need. Those who depend on you for leadership. Strong drink is given to the terminally ill. Are you ill? 
It says, who are suffering at the brink of death. Wine is for those in depression in order to drown their sorrow. But you and I know that when the wine wears off, the sorrow is still there. He said, let them drink and forget their poverty and misery. So you can see that of the truth. Do you notice that a lot of poor people drink? And that's why their poverty remains. Because instead of getting clear judgment to get out of it, once they go through that season of pain, they just want to forget that pain. They take alcohol. So you need to understand what are my convictions, right? And what's my destination? When those two things are very clear at every stage in your life, it will help you to form the right habits. Years ago, it used to be very difficult for me to fast, especially some type of fast. I grew up fasting, right? I had the mother that trained us in fasting. But there are some types of fast that I will not even mention publicly that I do. So, why did I start engaging in those type of fasts? Why did I start praying for long convictions and destination? Because the place where I'm going, there's an amount of spiritual power and capacity that must be developed to get there. So, I don't need anybody to encourage me to do certain types of fasts. I don't need certain people to encourage me. You see, I think, let me just mention, let, let me keep going. So, what are the success enhancing habits to develop? Number one is praying. Praying. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, our Lord Jesus Christ said, Men ought always to pray and not to give up. Men ought always. Somebody say always. Always to pray and not to give up. Our Lord Jesus Christ said that. And we see that even in his own earthly ministry, he consistently prayed. It's one of the reasons why we have a structure in our own church. Right? We have a corporate prayer every morning online. So that when you wake up, even when you cannot pray by yourself, there is already a structure to help you pray. And what I tell people, don't worry when you start out. Join. Even if you sleep off, still join. You are developing a habit. Remember, positive habits are difficult to develop. Even if you sleep off, God understands, still keep joining. One day, you will get to a point where you will talk to yourself. That this one that you are sleeping off in prayer, you will sit up. I hear what I'm saying. But if you say, I'm just sleeping, I'm joining. there's no point to join. You will never develop that habit. For you to understand that there is nothing peculiar when you sleep off during prayer. Peter, James, and John slept off when Jesus needed them to be praying. Oh, it's not a big deal, but you can outgrow it. Second habit to develop is thinking. Proverbs 23 and verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so easy. The literal translation simply says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he eventually becomes. We need to think. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. The Bible says, come let us reason together. While it is good to pray, we also need to think. There are times when you must sit down in the middle of the night. It's Isaiah 1, 18, not 8, 18. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18. When you must sit down in the night. My own best thinking happens in the night. You know why? Everything is quiet. No distraction. There's nowhere you want to go. Everybody's already sleeping. Nobody will interrupt. Thinking. You will be shocked at the light, the clarity you will receive when you start thinking and you make it habitual. You know the reason why a lot of us don't do it? It is work to think. It's a lot of work to be still. That's why God said to the children of Israel, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. It is not easy to be still. It is easier to be running around like a headless chicken. 
just running around doing things, doing things, doing things. But to sit down, and let me tell you this, clarity comes in the place of thinking. It is in the place of thinking you receive light. You just know what next to do. That's why you notice that a lot of successful people, they allow so much silence in their life. Haven't you noticed that, see, land is land, city is city, but in every city there are places that have been carved out. Real estate that's very expensive so that the average person can afford it. The reason is this, you notice that there are certain kinds of human beings that they like noise. Most times they are never successful. Yeah, check it. The average successful person, they like silence. They like silence because they know what silence does. So realize that in places that are quiet, the real estate is more expensive. It's deliberate. It's deliberate. Cultivate the habit of thinking. Pastor, what do I think about? Think about your future. Let's start from there. Think about your future. The last three months now, you said in 2023, I am going to, what are the things you say you will do that you have not done? You know how to think. The best way to think is to ask yourself questions. What have I achieved this year? What were the things I said I would do? How many of them have I done? The ones I've not done, why haven't I done them? I tried this thing, I failed at it. Why did I fail at it? What can I do differently to succeed at it? People don't sit down to think. They just say, he's the devil, he's the devil. Everything is not the devil. You may be that devil. That is injuring your own advancement. You've got to think. You've got to think. That's why the Bible says that Judas Iscariot knew where to betray Jesus. Why? Because the Bible says that he knew Jesus often went to get him. And Jesus didn't only go there to pray. Sometimes he just went there to think. Study your Bible, it's there. There were times that Jesus would tell his disciples, let's separate ourselves for a retreat. Let's just depart. Separate your people. Ah, a lot of people want to see you or they want to see you. It's not about seeing. It is my thinking that is producing results. If I stop thinking, the result will stop. One of the habits of one of the richest men in the world, Bill Gates. Every year, Bill Gates, I think maybe it's a month or two months, he takes off work, no matter what is happening in Microsoft. And he's been doing that for years, and Bill and Gates Foundation. He takes one month or two months off to go and read. You know another thing that helps you to think? Reading. Reading facilitates your thinking. I don't know if this happens to everybody. Well, it's one of the habits you need to cultivate. Most times when I'm reading, I get more from books than what I'm, what I'm reading. Sometimes I just realize that I'm on the same page. I can be on the same page for one hour because my thoughts are gone. I'm already thinking about something else. It facilitates your thinking. I, I, I watched the video, I think it was two years ago. How Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, bought all the houses around him. Not that he wanted to live there. He just kept it empty. He said because his neighbors were too noisy. So I can have time to think. The current CEO of Apple, Tim Cook, wakes up every day, 3.45 a.m. When everything is still quiet. Most people know something. You wake up to noise. Number three habit is learning. Success enhancing habits. The third is learning. Learning. Somebody say learning. Job 13 and verse 2. Job said, what you know, I know. I am not inferior to you. 
What you know, I know. So when the Bible talks about Job in Job chapter 1, that Job was the wealthiest man in the East. He didn't just become the wealthiest man. He became a wealthiest man through knowledge. By learning. You see, what you know, the same do I know also. I'm not inferior to you. The question is, what do you know? You're about to leave the first quarter of the year. Have you learned major, new major things in this quarter? Even though you are supposed to be learning virtually every week, if possible every day. But what new things? You see, you can't succeed beyond your level of knowledge. You cannot. You cannot. Remember we started out by talking about the growth code. How you grow is by learning. It's one of the ways you grow. Mental growth, intellectual growth. See, these things are habits that the average person doesn't do. That's why the average person is not successful. One of the most painful experiences I've ever had. I'll never forget. I think like seven years ago, I was supposed to buy a book. 50 Years in Ministry by Kenneth Hagin. You know, so I said, I'll get it later. A friend of mine got it. You know what happened? He got the last copy of that book in the world. The last copy. I've been checking almost every week now for almost eight years. The book doesn't exist anymore. Because as at that time, it was maybe like, maybe 20 years after the book was published. So eventually I had to go borrow it and I don't read photocopies. I don't know. One of my, I, I'm, I have taste when it comes to books. I don't, I don't skimp on buying books. So I had to borrow his own. That's the, I think that's the only photocopy book I have. I photocopied the book. So since that time I told myself, if I see something, a book that I know I need, even if I'm not going to read it now, I'll buy it and keep it. I'll buy it and keep it. Because the time will come. Many of the books you are seeing today, in the next 30 years, it will be out of print. They will be out of print. That's why you notice that in the Western world, there are some books, very small books, they will say collector's item. A book that years ago was maybe 20 something dollars. If they will buy that book now, they will even auction it. $10,000. Because you can never see the book again. But the average African man will look at well, what is it? This book. No book. That's why you are where you are. That's why you are where you are. Learning. 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 You've got to learn. You've got to learn. You've got to learn. Keep learning every single day. First Chronicles 12 and verse 32. The Bible says, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. The Bible says the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren was at their commandment. Do you see that? So they were in charge. Why? Because they had deeper understanding. They knew what their contemporaries did not know. See, you will always rise above the people you know more than. That's why anybody that has the privilege of leadership, whether in the workplace, whether in church, anywhere, the moment you see, my pastor told me something years ago that I'll never forget. He said, Nobody drives behind a parked vehicle. Nobody does what? Drives behind a parked vehicle. What they will do is they will leave, they will just leave your behind and continue with their journey. So you become a parked vehicle when the people you are leading know more than you. As Apostle Paul. As knowledgeable as he was, he told Timothy, he says, when you are coming to see me, bring with you my books and the parchments, my notepads. Bring it with you. In prison, he was still learning. He was still learning. 
What was the last time you learned? That's why you notice that when you buy books, it's difficult to finish it. There are habits that are difficult to form, but they will save your life. But it's easier to finish a movie, season film. Haven't you noticed? As you watch the first episode, for those of us that watch Netflix, you know, they'll still be showing the cast, the outro, they'll show the next episode. You just, in fact, the anger and speed with which you press it, next episode, it's easier. But it's not difficult to flip the next page. But it's easier to press the next episode. It's easier. So let that be your gauge. It's when something becomes very easy for you to do, always ask yourself, how is this thing adding to me? When something is difficult to do, ask yourself, how is this thing adding to me? You will realize it's in the positive side. The next habit to form is savings. Every successful person is a saver. <laughs> Somebody say savings. I can't hear you say savings. You know I'm very strong on that. And as a church, <laughs> savings will save your life. Savings will do what? It will save you from emergency, save you from shame, save you from anxiety. You know the reason why a lot of people have high blood pressure, why they are always anxious? Because there is nothing anywhere. There is nothing anywhere. So any little crisis or once there is an imminent crisis, high blood pressure, everything. God, what will happen? What will happen? You are not supposed to be in that state. When you are in that emotional state, it's very difficult for you to get creative ideas to be successful. Very difficult. You see, the thing about savings is not just even about having money. It's the emotional state in which it puts you. An emotional state of rest. An emotional state of peace. An emotional state that makes you more creative. Knowing fully well that if something happens now, at least I have a cushion. Proverbs 21 and verse 20. The Bible says there is more treasure and oil to be desired in the dwelling of the wise. It says, but a foolish man squanders it all. Foolish man squanders it. He squanders it. He squanders it. See, everything God gives you, every of God's blessing in your life, in the blessing there will be bread and there will be seed. Bread is what you are supposed to enjoy. Seed is what you are supposed to keep aside for the preservation of your future. Am I making sense? If you eat the bread and the seeds together, you will have a bitter future. That's why you notice that when you eat the seed in a fruit, is it always tasty? How many of us will enjoy eating seed? Seeds are always bitter because you are not supposed to eat your seed. You're not supposed to. So when you eat the seed of the blessing, you there is it is certain that your future will be bitter. There's no prayer about it. There's no prayer about. It. And let me tell you this: it's not because the money is not enough that we don't save. It's because we don't save that is never enough. It's because we don't save. It's because we don't save. There are three reasons, or maybe I should say three requirements for saving. Number one is vision. See, no matter how much I talk about saving, saving, some people will never say because they don't see the reason why. Vision is very important. Another requirement for saving is future-mindedness. Realizing the fact that no matter what you do, the future is coming. A future that you will not have energy the way you have it now. 
Sometimes I wish that I know some of the things, or I knew years ago some of the things I know now. Imagine if you start saving at the age of 15, you start saving at the age of 20. Some of us are in our mid-20s. Imagine if you start saving now. Imagine. Some of us, we are in the middle age of our life. So we have to do more. Double up. That's why this is not my life. I don't say, when people say 10%, me, I'll be saving 10%. When they are not pursuing me for more. 10%. My own does not even have percentage. Once I do some things I need to do, the remaining, saving streets, is not. <laughs> because as far as where I'm concerned, I'm behind. So always the teenage years can be saying 10%. And you know the biblical recommendation is even 20%, not 10%. Because the Bible says that when Pharaoh called Joseph and Joseph stood before him, he said, For the next seven years, we shall save 20% of the harvest. Not 10%. Read your Bible. 20%. That's why I strongly believe as a believer, if you, you know, undo your finances the Bible way, you should not be spending more than 50% of your earnings. I'm telling you. Pastor, why did you say that as a believer, a serious minded one? That believes in God's word as their final authority. You should save 20%. You should do tight 10%. Am I right? You're supposed to be involved in kingdom advancement. You're supposed to be a blessing to other people. You're supposed to give to your parents. By the time you calculate all that, <laughs> you, you should be like 50% if not more than. You see, so when you do all that and the 50% is not enough, it will inspire you to do more and make more. You know the reason why some of us don't think we need to make more money? Because you are not saving. And you are not doing what the Bible says you should be doing with your money. That's why. That's why. Praise the Lord. Next habit is gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude should be habitual. A grateful man will enjoy favor with men and with God. That's why the Bible even says, I think it's Psalms 100 and verse 4. It says that we should enter into his gate with thanksgiving and into his court with praise. Giving glory unto his name. He says we are thankful unto him and bless his name. There's a proverb where I come from. It says the person that says thank you for yesterday will receive another act of favor today. That is when you are thankful for what has been done, something else will be done for you. And you know what destroys gratitude is entitlement. Entitlement. And you feel, what is it? You should do it now. Nobody owes you anything. Try to be grateful. That job you are complaining about, or you are about to start complaining about, there was a time it was a miracle. Don't forget. Be grateful. Be grateful. You're starting another quarter, send a message to your boss. Thank you, ma. Thank you, sir, for the privilege of being a part of this organization. Thank you for the privilege of adding value. You will be shocked. And how, how much it will separate you from every other person in your workplace. Because people really do that. The boss will begin to see you differently. Somebody has taught this person well. This person has sense. While everybody is complaining, even the salary. See, they don't know need that. Everything is now expensive. It should have increased the salary. Let me tell you this. Every boss, except you have a demon-possessed boss, anybody that has a right heart, they know they should increase. You are not the one that we tell. They know. But when the money is not there to increase, what we they? Because the foremost loyalty is to the business and its continuation. 
when they increase and there is nothing to increase again in three months time and they are now in you salary they are the one that will complain again so be grateful be grateful to your clients some of us are business people be appreciative of the people doing business with you oh thank you for being a part of our first quarter we're trusting God that this quarter, you know, God will supply. See, if your customers have money, they will patronize you. They will not be pricing you like tomato. Thank your customers. Thank the people that has made a difference in your life. Be grateful. And most importantly, thank God. Thank God. That's why you notice that in all our services, whether it's online, on-site prayer, we always start with gratitude. We start with gratitude, we start with kingdom advice. Before we pray about our own needs, we pray about what is important to God. Another habit to cultivate is urgency. Urgency must be habitual. Urgency. Urgency. Every successful person has a bias for action. They have a bias for action. They don't do tomorrow or plan to do tomorrow what they have the capacity to do today. As I have the belief, never give something to an I do man. There's a reason why he's an I do. It's a character issue. Because if you were diligent in the first place, he will be busy. Other successful people don't hang around or give responsibility to I do people. He's too busy people because there's a reason why he's busy. He's productive. That's why the talent of the man that was um, the, the, the proverbs um, parable of the talents, the man that was giving five, giving two, giving one. When they wanted to give another man extra, who did they give? The man that multiplied the most, that was busiest. Because there's a reason why he could multiply it. So give him more. Urgency. You can't afford to be passive in life if you want to be successful. You can't afford to be passive. You can't afford for things to happen. You happen to things. Stop waiting for things to happen to you. Stop waiting for... Everybody say, I'm waiting on God. God is waiting on you. He's waiting on you. So do what he got to do. Don't use your temperament as an excuse. Hey, me, I just like to... Don't overanalyze life. You overanalyze, analyze, analyze. Until you lose passion for what you want to do. What you look for is what you find. If you look for reasons why something will not work, it will not work. You will find the reasons. Everyone that has succeeded at something, they had statistics of people that failed in that thing. Yet they moved anyway. But you know what failures obsess over? Say, ah, somebody did this thing, you know. If you see what happened to the person, in fact, now the person has lost all their savings and loss. Is that person you? Even if the person feels, the Bible says a just man falls seven times and he gets back up. So if he fails the first time, it's not when he fails the second time, it's not what he failed at the first time that he will fail at the second time. So he has learned something new. So if he fails the third time, he has learned two lessons. He will not repeat the third time the mistakes he made the first and the second time. You are still learning. You are never at a disadvantage when you are in motion. You are never at a disadvantage when you have a bias for action. No, you are never. Never at a disadvantage. That's why in 1 Kings chapter 2 and verse 8, the Bible says, And David said unto Ahimelech, And is there not here under thy spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. The king's business required is Newton's law of motion. It says that everything will remain at a state of rest or uniform motion. It's the law of physics. 
except an external force acts upon it. Your life, your destiny, your future, it will remain at a state of rest until you act upon it. See, in spite of all the prayer, after we have prayed, fasted, done everything, ah, God will still expect us to take certain steps. That's why when God prophesied through Elisha, that tomorrow, things are going to become so cheap, tea milk will become one naira. Picnic, one naira. <laughs> the Minister of Economics said, never, it can never happen. Well, it happened. I'm just giving a modern day expression to it. There's no tea milk in the Bible. <laughs> How did it happen? Four lepers outside the camp. The Bible says they said to him themselves, Why sit we here till we die? Said, If we sit here, we will die. If we go into the camp, we may die and we may live. The Bible says, As they began to walk towards the camp, God amplified their steps. So that the enemy thought that it was an, a mighty army that was rushing towards them. And they left everything in haste. And what they left was enough to feed the whole nation. Please, who brings supplies to feed the nation to battleground? So God had already orchestrated everything, but some lepers needed to move. The king and all the economic ministers in the city, they didn't take any step. It is the step you take God will amplify. This is the step you take. So after you have prayed, ask God, what step should I take? What should I do now? What's the next thing to do? Where should I go? Who do I need to talk to? What calls do I need to make? Stop procrastinating. Every successful person has a sense of urgency. And the last quote, there are other messages in which I've spoken about it, so I'm not going to emphasize it, is the planning code. Those who fail to plan have simply planned to fail. If you're going to be successful, you must plan. You must be a planner. Things you must plan, you must plan your life. In the next five years, where must I be? In the next ten years, where must I be? In the next fifteen years, fifteen years, ten years, it's not that far. It seems so far, but it is not. Somebody hear what I'm saying? Seems so far. Seems so far. Next month, April 10th, it's going to be eight years since I've been married. First lady, and now we looked at ourselves and was like, really, eight years already? It's not far. It's not far. Before you know it, you wake up to the league, Jacob Benson. You'll be 50 years old. You'll be 60. You'll be 70. Have you planned for that season of your life? Many of us think we'll be young forever. Forever young. I want to be. For- you shall not be forever young. Never. As long as you are in this body of sin, you will not be forever young. You will not be forever young. Plan for that season of your life. The season when you will not be able to wake up in the morning. You see, plan the season of your life when you will not be active. Think that far into the future. You know the reason why a lot of people run away from old people? Because most old people, when you are around them, they place demands on you. There are some old people that people like to hang around because they've planned that season of their life. When you go visit them, you go home with things. Because they planned that season. Are you planning yours? Are you planning the next 20 years? Plan your marriage. I believe everybody here wants to be married. Plan it. And the best time to start planning is when you are single. What kind of marriage do you want to have? What kind of man will fit into that desired marriage? 
the future of your children because children can't plan for themselves. I will say, my children will go to Harvard. The person that will send children to Harvard, ah, will start saving for the Harvard school fees from now. Somebody I, I you know, and we don't have a one-on-one relationship, but I know people that are very close to him. As of 15 years ago, almost 15 years ago, I had him say before he got married that he's going to have only one child. And they asked him why. He said, because I want my child to go to Harvard. His child, his daughter, is 13 years old now. Still has only one child. And he has been saving before the child was born. My children will go to the best school. They may go to the worst schools if you don't do something about it. Plan your finances also. Those are things to plan that I'm talking about. Plan your finances. Already spoke about that. As a believer, you must have a plan for your finances. Plan your savings. Plan tithing. Plan covenant practice. Give to your parents. As I give it to my parents, as a student, from what they will give me as pocket money, I will still send credits to them. Some people have been a blessing to you. Be a blessing to them. You plan it. Because it won't just happen. Plan it. Plan it. What else should you plan? Plan your health. There are things that when you get to a point in your life, you have to stop eating. A friend of ours, you know, I think Mrs. Ezekiel was there, you know, and she was saying that she has not taken anything fizzy drink. In the last 15 years. 15 years. Some people plan to take some drink. And some drink will give you a hard life. There's some people plan to take it into their grave. What's wrong with you? See, your appetite and taste can be retrained. I train myself to the point that if I try to take a soda drink now, it tastes like poison. Ah, what is this? For some of us, you cannot eat without a soft drink that has been in prison and is sweating. Say, ah, I use something to step it down. <laughs> He's stepping you downwards into the grave. Continue. Plan your health. People don't just become healthy. So that in your old age, your children and grandchildren will not be carrying you about and they will just dump you in one of those people's home because you have become a body. Plan it. Because the way you are using your body now, it will tell in the next 30 years. And 30 years is not that far. But you are using your body. You plan these things. Plan your prayer time. Plan it. Don't just say, I'm going to plan, you know, this year I'm going to be closer to God. How do you get closer to God? By being a person of prayer. Plan your word study. Plan fasting. Plan it. Plan it. That's one of the privileges of being in a spiritual community. Some of these things, we already have the structure for it as a church. As I mentioned that earlier before I started preaching. Every Wednesday as a church we fast. Every four, three days of the month, we fast as a church. Anybody that does not do it as a part of the church because they choose not to do it. Because we do it. We've been doing that for years. You see? So you plan these things. If you don't want to fail, you must plan. And you know what planning is? Planning is not saying I will. Planning is writing down your desired action steps and future. And future. Or or what? That is a vision. Is writing down the action steps towards a desired future. That's a plan. A plan that is in your head is not a plan. Whatever is still in your head is not a plan. It must be documented. And it must be in a place where you can see it consistently. So it will serve as a compass for your life. To serve as a compass for your life. 
I remember when first lady and I were going to get married. A lot of you see, there are so many things we've done that when we ex- when we're living a kind of life now, people I just look at some people like you have no idea the sacrifices we are about to make. You know, normally when people are getting married, they borrow car. It's a normal thing, you know, nobody even thinks about it. Like you borrow an SUV, you know, you decorate it about to be married. We didn't do that. Family, everybody was there. I didn't have that discussion with anybody. If I wanted to use the biggest of cars, I had family members, I have mentors I could talk to. Not everybody just believed it was sorted. You know, it was one of first ladies, like a big sister. They just said, How are you guys getting to church tomorrow? They said, We use that. And it was first lady that had the car there. I said, We use the car. They said, No, 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 no. So she dropped the car. We didn't even decorate it. But I told my, it is not our car. Don't be too comfortable inside. It's not our car. You know, you plan your life. Don't leave your future up front. Leave your future up front. If I want to make a comfortable, a very good car, I go now. In one year, I will get it. It's not pride, but we plan for it. All the time, we make sacrifices to build our work before comfort to build business before comfort everybody was lounging traveling all our friends ah see the picture online vacation maldives dubai god bless you it's not our own plan yet our first house have told us before when you sit down and you are a tall person if you stretch your leg your leg will almost touch the tv the day my mom came she was crying because i'm the only son and the last child. So why would my son be living in this kind of house? Like the, we will say in this part of the world. I didn't look at two chases. I was not bothered. Because it was part of our plan. It was part of our plan. Remember, if you don't pay now, you will pay later. They play. Like we say now, Abby. Just they play. Just they play. In the future, you will pay. Have you been blessed? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you.